0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Motherkind, the show that is going to give you all the tools, ideas, and validation that you need as you navigate your life as a mother. This week's guest is the incredible Roxy Nafusi. She is a best-selling author and manifesting expert. It's the second time Roxy has been on the podcast, and you all loved our first episode together, so I can't wait to share this one with you. I love how open Roxy is and in this episode we talk about how just a few weeks ago Roxy ended up in an ambulance after temporarily losing her sight and how that was the wake up call she needed to approach her life very differently. You are going to learn in this episode a really important skill which is how to get out of exhaustion and burnout even when you're exhausted and it feels impossible. So you're going to learn that and so much more in this episode. Here it is. Oh, Roxy, I am so excited to have you back on. We were just saying, I can't believe it's been a year since we last chatted. A lot has happened. It feels like we stayed connected through that time. But I really wanted to open by talking about your experience of burnout because something that I really appreciate about you is that. You're so honest and vulnerable with where you're at. And I think there's just this sense that once we get into self-development and we learn some new tools that life's plain sailing, it's not the case. And I think so many mums listening will relate to that feeling of wired and tired, to feeling exhausted, to spinning too many plates and not knowing where to turn. So tell us about what led to your burnout, and then we'll talk about how you've moved through it.
1: Well, thank you. And also, I'm so happy to be here. I've burnt out a couple of times over the last year in quite a significant way. In January this year, I felt like I was on the verge, not to sound dramatic, of like a mental breakdown. Like I felt incredibly unstable. I was having panic attacks every day. I released my second book, Manifest Dive Deeper, and It was this launch week and it was supposed to be this incredible moment, you know, the second book, a year to the day from the first one coming out. And I remember going to the launch event and before the event, having my makeup done, having a panic attack in the chair and then getting there. And I was so kind of out of it with anxiety. And then I had to do a speech and I just sobbed the entire speech. I just couldn't pull myself together. And the week that followed, I had to cancel. I was supposed to be on this morning. I had to cancel and I had never canceled work. And I was so unwell mentally. I thought, oh my God, I have to do something. So I actually canceled work for like three weeks as much as I could. There was something that I actually couldn't cancel. But I canceled much because I was kind of felt this immense sense of guilt as well and thought something isn't right. And I knew it was just overwhelm and stress and you know, the year prior or the years prior, you know, since I had given birth to Wolf, I'd simultaneously become a new mom and made it my mission to turn my life around and build this business and help other people. And I worked myself into the ground, but kind of was enjoying it also because it was like this new high and everything was going so well. And I was getting all these opportunities and my career was skyrocketing, but ultimately it came at a cost, a very personal cost. And so, I kind of dedicated the next few months from sort of, I would say, February onwards to really trying to find some balance to heal. I was clearly still being triggered by some really old wounds. I still had some much deeper, deeper healing to do. I had like a quieter summer. And I have to say, I felt this immense sense of peace and I was more present with Wolf And I thought, oh, this is what life can be like when you're not working yourself into the ground and trying to be a mom at the same time. (laughs) I was like, this is really nice. And then Wolfie stopped nursery and work ramped up. And I think I was triggered by that January sort of breakdown. And all of a sudden, the overwhelm, the anxiety all came rushing back. And it kind of culminated in this moment it was just a couple of weeks ago when I was feeling very anxious in the week prior and I was watching TV with Wade and all of a sudden my vision starts going. And I was like, Oh my God, what's happening? Uh, I can't see, I can't see. And then he's like, Oh, it's okay. You just need to calm down. Just wait a second. And then I start hyperventilating and I start having a panic attack. And he says, you're just having a panic attack. You need to calm." So I do my breathing. I know now really, you know, how to get myself out of a panic attack quite quickly and after the panic attack, I still can't see. And then it transpires. Then basically my speech starts slurring, my face starts drooping, and then my entire left side of my body is completely paralyzed. I cannot move anything. So, of course, we call the ambulance. I'm convinced I'm having a stroke. An hour later, the ambulance arrive, and by the time I'm at the hospital, I have a movement again in my arms. And so we knew it was this special type of migraine, and it wasn't a stroke, thank God. But for me, this was a real wake-up call, that we cannot continue at this pace of exerting ourselves to such a high extent without our bodies catching up with us. And, you know, it could have been so much worse. And thank God it wasn't, but I don't want to get to that point. And so I've done a few things since then, but one thing is every morning I'm meditating for 10 minutes on this bed of nails. It's like an acupressure kind of little mat you can get from Amazon. It's not expensive. I've been working with functional medicine doctor, getting the right supplements to help with my hormones, to help with my stress hormones and all these little changes. I feel like a new woman. I feel like I have so much more energy to do it all. Like at the moment, wades away. I'm single parenting. Plus, you know, I'm launching the book and it is busy, but it doesn't feel overwhelming. There is a day, I think when we're feeling that overwhelmed and we're feeling easily frustrated, anything sets us off, you know, anyone's listening, you'll know you're more irritable. You have less patience for your children. You have less patience at work. It's a lot because we can't be doing that much all the time. It's not healthy. And we do need to stop and say, What changes can I make to try and look after myself better? You're so right. And I think something that
0: I often forget is the emotional bandwidth that it takes to mother and parent in a present way. And it's so easy, you know, every time we contain a tantrum or we soothe a fear or we deal with a problem, or for me, it's like breaking up a sibling fight, that takes a toll on my nervous system. And I need to keep reminding myself of that. I cannot be the type of mother that I want to be and work at the pace that I want to work at without, as you say, there being a consequence. I wanted to ask you about the root cause Because you said I had a lot of deeper healing to do. And I wonder what you found there. Did you uncover what was driving that sense of, you know, the working? And, you know, I've read you say on Instagram, you know, just working and working and working into the night and getting up and working. And what have you uncovered
1: about what's behind that? And does it feel
0: different now?
1: I think that in my journey, you know, I had many different kind of traumas growing up. And obviously then found drugs at 18 and quickly fell into an addiction. And I had this kind of like years and years of pain and no self-worth. And then I found manifesting and I began quite quickly to turn my life around. But what I can recognize for sure is that, you know, somebody that had no self-worth from my entire life, finding confidence at work was a really incredible feeling, but also really addictive because suddenly I had an area of my life where I finally felt like I was good. Like I was good at helping people. I was good at inspiring people. I really felt like I was thriving in my purpose, but also at the same time, it was giving me this sense of validation. And so I think that, and also at the time, me and it was just a strange time with the pandemic and everything. And so I was probably escaping a lot through work as well. And then it just kind of becomes this kind of roller coaster train that you can't get off. And you're like, oh my gosh. And I was doing it on my own. I didn't have any management or PR or agents or anybody around to kind of guide me or say, maybe this is too much or. I was just a lone ranger with a junior assistant and I was just like, fuck it, let's do it all. You know, now it's different. I have a team in place to help and set boundaries and things like that. But yeah, I think that ultimately, no matter what we're addicted to, whether it's exercise or work or drugs, underneath it is insecurity and low self-worth and a need for validation. And other things were coming up for me, you know, I was still getting triggered with insecurity, but in all this journey, it's still a million times better than where I was, right? So it's like, yes, there are still things I'm working through, but my God, it is worlds away from where I was. And this is what self-development healing is about, It is this journey. And every time you uncover or heal something more, recognize something about yourself or recognize why you behave the way you behave, or you really, you know, have a lot of self-awareness, you're unpeeling a new layer of yourself, which is more confident, more abundant, happier, you know, all these things. It's true. There's this phrase that I love and it says, new level,
0: new devil. And the reason I love that so much is because every time you go up a level in your life, you know, you have another child or you have a first child or you find a career you love or you leave your job and you, you know, whatever it is, every time you go up a level, without doubt, you are faced with all the stuff that stopped you getting there sooner. It's almost like you say in step four, the tests from the universe. That's what it is, isn't it? And I feel like, you know, I've had the same trajectory and you're right. You know, I think there's this myth that self-development is something that you do and then you're done and you carry on with your life. And that is not my experience at all. Sometimes like, you remember that game at the fair where you had to like keep whacking and every time you whack something, another one would pop up. It's like that, you know, right, I'm going to work on my confidence. And then suddenly something else pops up and then you're going to work on that. It's a way to live is the way that I see it, not like a tick box not a tick box. So you talked about your recovery from Bennett. Talk to us more about that, because I think lots of people relate, maybe not to the horrendous health scare. I'm so sorry, Heather, that sounds petrifying. But I think definitely people relate to that feeling of just foggy headed, overwhelmed, getting through the days, but not really connecting with it and not really enjoying it. So you talked about meditating. What else are some of the things that you've done to help you move through that?
1: There was loads of things I did. And I would say that the first step, by the way, is really making this decision with yourself is like, I know I'm feeling burnt out and only I can get myself out of this situation. Because I think I know a lot of women in my life or people close to me who are burnt out, who are exhausted, but they don't do anything about it then this isn't like a judgment of them because I've been there before where I was just stay in victim mentality because it feels like, where am I going to find the time to make this change or bring in these little routine, And that like keeps you stuck. And so it has to start with this decision. It's like, no, I'm going to take responsibility. I no longer want to feel this way. I actually want to wake up with energy again. I actually want to wake up with a zest for life. I actually want to like enjoy being around my kids again. I want to enjoy going to work. So it has to start first with this real decision to take responsibility and do that. And then it's finding and committing to these little tools that will help you. So for example, I mean, Wade has been saying to me to use this bed of nails for like six months. He's like, seriously, he's like, you have such bad back problems. Like you would really benefit from it. I'm telling you, it will relax you. I was like, oh, no, no, no. And then I was like, wait a second, why aren't I doing something that I know would be good for me? Let me just try it. So I started with five minutes in the morning and I lay there and I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll put on a meditation while I'm doing it, hit two birds with one stone. And you know, that first five minutes, and this will happen for most people who start meditating. I was thinking about what I was going to cook for lunch. I was thinking about the emails I got to send. I actually felt more anxious at the end of the first time I did it because I started thinking about all these things to do with work. But that's fine. That's normal. Our minds are so busy. And especially if we haven't been meditating before, if we've had a big break for it, if we've never done it, you know, it's something that doesn't come naturally to us. But I sat there and I stayed the five minutes. The next day I did five minutes, but I found my mind was a little bit quieter. The next day I did seven minutes. Then I did 10 minutes and I was playing manifesting meditations. And then I did one on Saturday and I fell asleep and had a 25 minute nap and it was amazing. And obviously my body really needed it, but I just kept committing to it and practicing. And I wake up at five before Wolfie wakes up and I get straight on it now and make sure I do it. And if I wake up a bit late and I've got to get Wolf straight ready for school, then I do it just quickly when I come back. Obviously, if you don't have, you know, I work for myself, so it's different if I don't have to go straight to an office, but you could always do it at the end of the day, just before bed, but finding that time. So meditation has absolute There's just so much research on where it calms your nervous system. Another thing that I just did was just really simple was I was just turning my phone off at 9 p.m. So I was getting really into watching reels and scrolling through, thinking that I was kind of winding down because I was laughing so much and I'd be like in hysterics, like laughing at these like funny reels. But actually I was so overstimulated I went through which I haven't done for fucking years. And I don't know what possessed me, but I started reading the Daily Mail, but not the showbiz. You know, there's like awful stories on the homepage. That's like freak accidents or like these really like horrible stories. And there's something kind of compulsive about reading these stories. And then you read another story. And I realized that afterwards I was getting really hyper paranoid which I never am. Like I don't have any kind of, even though what happened, I have no health anxiety. I'm not a paranoid person. I don't worry about those things. It was changing the way I was like thinking and viewing the world. I wasn't sleeping well. So I made sure I didn't read that or any other kind of site like it. It's such a good point there,
0: Roxy, because that is a tiny thing that so many people do. It is compulsive. It's the way that it's written. It's the red headline. It tells our brain that there's an urgent and it activates your nervous system. And that is addictive. Like that does release dopamine into our system. And then we want to do it more. I've been doing it with the big news story that's broken about Russell Brand. I found myself like, I'm like, why am I doing this? I need to just stop this. This is not good for me. But I think that's the moment when things change, isn't it? When you go, it's almost like you
1: wake up did you have that experience? It's like, what am I doing? Oh, it's like one thing that really got me is I was scrolling through my phone and Wolf was next to me watching TV. And he goes, "Mummy, who's that baby? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking at a random baby that I don't know. <laughs> and the fact that he's asking me, it like really put it into perspective. And I was like, no, I need to fucking chill on the phone. So turning my phone off at 9 p.m., and I charge it on the other side of the bed. So it's not the first thing that I look at when I wake up either has really helped. As I said, supplements have been incredible for me. I've actually had my hormones tested, which I know is quite an expensive thing to do. So not everybody has that access, but even looking at different supplements that can help you with your hormones or different foods that can help you metabolize your estrogen. There's loads of research on it, even things like broccoli or, you know, supplements like ashwagandha and things like that. So I've been taking lots of supplements. I have set really good boundaries at work. So again, I know that I have the privilege to be able to do this, which not everyone does, but I realized that one of the things that was making me so anxious and then everybody will have that thing. They know the thing that causes them the most stress. For me, it was like the constant influx of emails. It was like hundreds a day. I also have this tendency, like I can't not reply. So I get involved in every minute detail of everything that's happening. And so I sent an email to all my teams and said, please take me out of all email chains. Everything goes through Drew and it's been a game changer. Cause I can just sit with Drew and, you know, go through everything I need to go through. And I'm just can actually use my time so much more effectively and not have everybody asking me questions all day. So setting boundaries and me and Wade have been doing this like four hour. Sometimes it's not quite four hours, Sometimes it's two, but a little swap on the weekend. So I'm like, okay, you take some hours for yourself. He goes to the gym, does a sauna. I go do a class have a smoothie, just have a couple of hours to myself. All we need, honestly, all us mum needs is like two hours to ourselves and we're like brand new. I think it's so
0: underestimated the nervous system impact of being around young children that we love because it's constant. They need us constantly, rightly so. You know, and even when they're at school, we're not switching off. Like you or I would stop this instantly if we got a call from our schools. You're always on and I think... Yeah, that's completely underestimated. And tell me about boundaries because I think that is something that almost universally mothers listening to this struggle with. It's hard to work out what they should be, what's okay. And I think the hardest thing about setting boundaries isn't setting them, it's holding them when other people start reacting to them. (laughs) So tell us what you've learned about setting boundaries because I think that's foundational for avoiding burnout.
1: You know, I think that Essentially, a boundary is just putting something in place that allows you to prioritize yourself and your well-being. And I think it's first recognizing kind of what in our life is causing us this like stress is taking us over the edge. Right. So what is that thing that just like pushes you over? And it might be that you have a friend that is constantly calling you every night because they need to like vent or unload on you, or it might be a family member, or it might be, you know, whoever, but actually at the end of the day, you just need that moment to unwind yourself because you've been giving out to everyone else all day. And I think You know, people will set boundaries in different ways. Everyone needs different boundaries. But I think it's essentially just recognizing that you deserve to put them in place and it doesn't make you a bad person or rude or unkind by saying no to somebody or by saying, actually, I don't want to do this. Actually, I don't want to go over to your house on the weekend for a play date because I just want to have some like family time and or I don't want to go for dinner, or I don't want to talk to you on the phone right now. I don't want to go through a million WhatsApp group texts and have to feel I need to reply because I need that time to myself. And say it to yourself, use it as an affirmation. You know, I honor my needs. I am deserving of self-respect. I deserve to put myself first. You know, remind yourself of that. Yeah. And I
0: think that's where it gets hard with boundaries because if you've come from, you know, where you and I have, which is really low esteem. You need a certain amount of esteem to set a boundary. Because if you don't have it, what used to happen to me when I first started is I'd set a boundary, say no, and then the other person would go, really? Oh, come on. And I'd go, okay then, because I didn't have that sense, that really strong foundational sense that I am allowed and worthy and deserving of choosing what I do regardless of other people's Reaction. I think those of us who you know were people pleasers as a result of that low esteem, it's quite a hard pattern to break, isn't it? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe, non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash motherkind.
1: Absolutely. I love that. Somebody wrote it actually on one of my posts. No is a complete sentence. And I was like, oh my God, I love that. Like you can just say no to someone without having to come up with a million excuses. Like you can just say, no, I can't. Sorry. You know, and that's enough. Yeah. It's the over explaining, isn't it? I've always, I still do that. I still,
0: I'm really good at boundaries, but I can still sometimes over explain. Yeah. Isn't it so interesting with our children because You know, I think traditional parenting, particularly in the 80s when you and I were growing up, was that our parents were these sort of perfect beings and they taught us everything and we had to respect them to listen to them. And now I love the shift that's happening, which is far more about learning together. And this is what I talk about and I'm so passionate about because children are naturally incredible at boundaries. Like, if my little three year old doesn't want to put her coat on, she's not worrying about people pleasing me at all. She's like, I am not putting my coat on. And I love that. And I love how you talk about in the new book, which is for children, about how, you know, actually a lot of these qualities in our children and in their confidence, in their self belief are there. And what we have to do is really help intentionally turn the volume up on those for them. Can you talk to that and why you wanted to write a book? for children.
1: You know, when I look at my own self-worth and I speak to, you know, hundreds of clients or people I, you know, work with or talk to, it's kind of universal. We know that our self-worth stems from our childhood. We know that. We also know that, you know, there are statistics that 41% of children now struggle with their mental health. And so there is this real sense of, I think, urgency that if we want to make a difference to the generation that is coming, you know, and to our children's generation, then we have to be able to do things differently and be able to equip them with tools that can help them to build resilience, feel more confident, know how to manage and process and understand their emotions, all these things that none of us had growing up. We didn't know any of this. It's so funny. Like even now I noticed because I've obviously been doing this work with Wolf from very young who kind of say to me, mommy, I am feeling very angry right now, but he really knows. And he's like, I'm sad. And I said, what do you do? And he takes a deep breath and his little like inhale, exhale, you know, and it's so sweet. And, but my God, if I had ever said, you know, there'd be absolutely no way I could have had that kind of communication with my parents, you know, Iraqi immigrants, (laughs) very different upbringing. But I think that, you know, if we can get them young, at an age where also, you know, this book is aimed at age 8 to 12, you know, for me, those were the years, and I'm sure for you as well, where, you know, you suddenly really care about what your friends think, what your peers think, what your teachers think. Like, you're so influenced. And now we add on social media on top of that. It is terrifying. And I think that, you know, those first five years of our kids' life you know, we have quite a lot of influence over them. You know, we can kind of shake them a little bit and, you know, they're with their favorite person. But then once they get behind the school gates or they get behind the screen, we don't really have that influence anymore. And so I really wanted to create something which would give children tools to help themselves. So it's not you trying as a parent, trying to say to your eight, nine, 10 year old, Hey, you should try this because they're not really, how much are they really going to listen to you? They stop. you know, you're not cool anymore, but if they can learn it for themselves, actually, that's going to do them a lot more good. You're so right. When I think about the difference, we
0: just didn't have the skills. Like I think emotional literacy and mental health just weren't in the lexicon. They just weren't understood or talked about. And that is what I see, you know, it's just one of the biggest shifts of our generation. What was it specifically? You And I know so many mothers, like I really want to raise my children with confidence and esteem because most of us didn't have that. We really didn't. What are some of the things that can really help instill that sense of confidence in children, especially as, as you say, you know, there's so much pulling them away from that confidence on social media and peer pressure and all of it. What is it do you think in essence helps develop that?
1: I think it's the constant kind of reminder for them that they are enough as they are. And I think this is what it kind of comes back to. It's like we want to fundamentally build a belief system that we are enough. Because for most of us, we don't believe that. We're constantly trying to be something different to be enough, to be popular enough, to be liked enough. But if as young as possible, actually we can kind of instill this Belief in them that you're enough just as you are. I think that is the most powerful thing we can do. Now, as parents, I think how we can do that is to be very careful with the language we use around our children. Look, I'm not a parenting expert. Like, this is just my personal opinion. So, if anyone doesn't like it, please don't feel you need to listen to me. But I think it's really easy for us to do little things like, let's say your child spills something or has an accident and we're like immediately frustrated let's say because we're burnt out and I'm not saying any of the parents listening will be doing this but it might be like why did you do that oh you're so careless you're so this you're so why don't you take more care and I think it's this kind of like you're so or you are this or if we even have a child and you know we're in a group of friends I heard somebody saying this actually on Instagram I thought it was so good instead of saying about your child in front of other people, oh, she's so shy. He's always like this. He's this. You know, when we start to label our children as things, I think that has a really negative impact because, you know, they start to believe it. And our belief system is through which we view and experience the world and and eventually leads to who we become. So actually just being mindful of how we're describing our children to them and making sure so instead of saying, you're so careless, it's like, That was slightly careless would even be a better thing to say. But then more importantly, it's about equipping them with tools that they can use to build their confidence themselves, like affirmations, you know, such a powerful one for us to use even as adults, but imagine using that from the age of eight or younger, how incredible if you keep saying those positive statements to your subconscious, I am enough, I am strong, I can be anyone I want to be, I can do anything I want to be. And also encouraging that feeling that they can be whoever they want to be, you know, that any dream is worth having rather than putting our own fears or insecurities onto our children.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because what I've noticed is since I became a mom seven years ago, I made it my app absolute mission to change my relationship with myself because i know and you know the studies back this up that the way that we speak to ourselves becomes the way that we speak to our children becomes their inner voice so dr nicola perra talks about it isn't the inner critic it's the inherited critic and i just feel like if ever when there was a bigger motivation to change the relationship with ourselves it's that because I know that when I used to drop a cup I used to say it to myself maybe not out loud oh god you're so stupid oh you've done it again so it's not surprising it's really hard to have that going on internally and then not have that spill outward isn't it you know of course it's possible but it's
1: harder absolutely and also our kids are always listening to us subtle. You see a picture and you're on the phone and your kid's around and you think, oh God, I look gross in this picture. Or like, you know, you start saying these little things, actually they're picking up on it. So I do think as well, such a big part of this is leading by example. So if your child is, you know, reading Manifest for Kids or in self-help, and as an adult, as a parent, you know, invest in that too for yourself so that you can do it together.
0: I love this idea of learning together because I feel like we didn't have these skills or tools taught to us. Not many of us did. So I'm learning them. You're learning them. We're all learning them. And then it's learning them together. I love that idea. I'm really into it because, yeah, that's what I'm doing with my girls. Like together we're learning to navigate our emotions <laughs> because I don't have a clue. You know, so Often they're better at it than me. Like they can have a tantrum and move on. You know, I haven't learned that skill yet. <laughs> I still hold on to it. What are you still learning? What are you still trying to get better at modeling?
1: I'm definitely still trying to get better at the way I speak to myself. I think I'm still getting better at not taking things personally, but I feel like every month I make strides because I'm very, very committed. So I'm really self-aware and I'm really happy to own up to parts of myself that maybe are not proudest of and really actually work on hey why do I always react like that when someone says something like that to me Or well, why is that the thing that I think why is that the narrative I put on it you know why does that frustrate me so much because it wouldn't frustrate someone else you know and actually exploring it and that kind of self-exploration and makes it kind of enjoyable you know so I'm not judging myself going oh my god why am I still like this it's going hey why am I like this and how can I like improve on that and do better and be better
0: That curiosity is so much more motivating than criticism, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And I think that's a great one to use with children as well, isn't it? Like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And I used to do this, like you've done with Wolfie, I used to do the labeling of emotions with both my girls. I wonder if you're really sad. I wonder if you're, it's just another thing to talk about. That's not the tantrum going on in, in one way, but now they'll do it. Jesse's saying, we'll come up and say, I'm feeling really angry. I'm feeling really frustrated. And it just blows my mind because it took me until I was you know, 35 to be able to have an experience in my body, put a label on it, move through it, and then get curious about it. Like, that's like a
1: real skill and she's doing it. It's mind blowing. For me, the first step of Manifest for Kids is understanding emotions. So in the book, I go through six emotions, anger, sadness, guilt, fear, worry, and embarrassment. And I give them toolboxes of how to express it, which is self-validation, and ways that they can process it and move through it. So with using affirmations, I give little like really mini simple breathing exercises that they can do to breathe through it things like a worry diary all these amazing little tools and at the end i asked them kind of put down like all the tools in your emotions toolbox it's really interactive throughout as well and i think worry is just a massive one isn't it worry is surely the
0: precursor to you know what we would call anxiety in adults how do you help a child who might be worrying a lot you know worrying about starting school worrying about friendships just
1: worrying well there's loads of tools within the book so in manifest for kids the worry toolbox we have say it so this is all about like self-expression how to identify what you're feeling and what you're worried about there's a breathing exercise which of course is key especially like you know when we're like you say worry is kind of the precursor for anxiety and what's the best way to deal with when you're feeling anxious breath work knowing how to breathe through it i then describe a tool called change the channel which is about imagining that your mind's like a tv screen and that you can hold an imaginary remote and change the channel. So instead of viewing things turning out badly or negatively, actually viewing things turning out for the best or going well. Another one of the tools I put in there is about challenging the worry. So I give them little questions to ask themselves, like, is it true? Do I know it's definitely going to happen? Is there another possibility? A fifth tool is finding a solution. So, okay, if there's something you're worried about, is there a solution that you can come up with now to help you? Because... As we all know, I did that one works for me all the time. You know, if I'm worried about something, I'm like, okay, if this happens, what can I do about it? And then I feel better. And the sixth one, which is my favorite, is a worry diary. And this is about writing down and dumping all your worries and letting them go. So it's a little like journaling practice for them. And as well, I talk about then how worry is also kind of similar to stress and what stress is and there's loads in there for worry.
0: I mean, I was just listening to that thinking, that would be amazing for adults as well.
1: Honestly, it could just be a beginner's guide. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think so. most adults don't know how to handle worry. You know, I know for me, when I learned about the difference between like productive worry, which is, is this in my control versus like unproductive worry, I have no idea what's going to happen. This is completely outside my control, but I'm still, that was a life changing light bulb moment for me. Oh my gosh! I just love that you've done this kids' book. I think it's so needed, and I've got a copy, and it's just beautiful, and it's so accessible. And I was taking Jesse through it, who's seven, last night, and I think we're going to do it together because I love that idea. So thank you so much for writing it. And I always ask the same question at the end, which is, if you could give just
1: one gift to all the mothers
0: in the world, what would that one gift be, and why?
1: It would be the gift of self love because I think that mothers in general, I, f- I genuinely feel this sense all the time. Like every time I have a long day, you know, nobody sees you. Like mothers are like unsung heroes. Nobody's there to say well done for like <laughs> everything that you do. And every time I think, gosh, today's been hard. I think, oh my God, think about all the moms doing this. All the moms doing this day in, day out. Nobody's <laughs> Nobody says thank you. Nobody recognizes it. And but what we're doing often is criticizing ourselves for not being good enough or not doing enough and actually I think if we just had a little more self-love and compassion we would realize that we're doing fucking great amen to that someone said to
0: me once being a mum is like being a defender on a football team no one thanks you when it's all going well it's when you mess up and you let a goal through <laughs> everyone jumps on you and criticizes you I was like so true that is true we're just holding it all holding it all oh well roxy thank you so much i've absolutely loved reconnecting and you know
1: that i love the work that you do in the world when is manifest for kids out next thursday the 28th of september i'm so excited me too oh thank you so much thank you so much so lovely to chat
0: So that was the episode. I hope you really loved it. If you did, can you do me a favor and do one or all of these three things? The first thing is subscribe, hit that little blue button. It makes such a difference to how many mums we can reach with the show. The second thing is, if you love the show, if you love this episode, please do leave us a five-star review. So many people tell me they discover the show by reading the reviews, so it really matters. And thirdly, can you share this episode with someone? Maybe someone who you know is struggling with their sense of worth, or maybe they're struggling with feeling burnt out or exhausted, or they're physically all the time, and you want to inspire and motivate them to support them, knowing that they deserve to feel better. So please do share this episode with someone. I am so grateful you are here. I'm grateful for
1: your support, and I will see you next time.